Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. I'm going to start off with a story. As I was thinking about uh, this message, I like to tell stories. I just like telling stories, and I think it makes things like practical and relevant. So am I getting some reverb, guys, a little bit? No? Um, so I think it makes things practical and relevant. And so, man, um, I, was, I was just kind of taken aback, you know, to high school. And I used to have this routine. Every Sunday, I would cut grass every Sunday. That was my Sunday routine. Um, I'd go to church at like 9 o'clock. I'd get home. I'd wash my truck. And then I would cut the grass. And um, my routine consisted of grabbing the lawnmower, cutting grass. And when I was finished, I would take my lawnmower and my gas can and I'd put it in the back of my truck and I'd go to the gas station and refill everything so that way next time uh, when it comes time to cut grass, I can just get started, you know? And that was my routine every time. But sometimes if it was raining, like if it was just about to start raining, or if, uh, if I was lazy, to be honest, or let's say I wanted to go hurry up and hang out with some friends, um, I would just hurry up and pick up the gas can and the lawnmower and I would leave it all empty. Well, I remember like one Sunday, I go to start cutting grass, and man, everything's empty. And I'm thinking, man, I must have left this, I must have left this stuff like quick last time. You know, I must have had something I wanted to do, or I got lazy or whatever. So I had to go load everything up in my truck. I had to go to the gas station, fill everything up, cut grass, and then go redo it all over again. So it was like double work. So the following Sunday, I go to pull my lawnmower and my gas tank out, and it's the same thing. And I'm like, man, what's the deal? Like, I thought I, I filled everything up last week. I guess, I guess I didn't, you know. And so I redid all that stuff again, just added like 30 minutes to my, my grass-cutting experience, you know. And so the third Sunday, I go to start my lawnmower to cut grass, and it's empty again. And I'm like, all right, I know I ain't going crazy. This is nuts. Like no gas in the, in the gas can, no gas in the lawnmower. So I do it all again, man. I load everything up. I'm all frustrated, kicking my tires, throwing my lawnmower in the, in the back of my truck. And, and so, man, I finally, I get back, I start cutting grass. And, you know, all my neighbors, we would all cut grass at the same time. You know, every Sunday we'd see each other and be like, hey, how you doing, neighbor? You know, everybody's waving at each other while we're cutting our grass. So, Man, I'm so frustrated, and I guess it it showed on my face. And one of my neighbors, Mr. Tim, he stops his lawnmower. He's like, "Hey," he used to call me little man. He said, "Hey, little man, what you what you mad about?" And I said, "Dude, Mr. Tim, I'm telling you, bro, I think I'm going crazy." And he's like, "What?" And so I start to tell him, and he goes, "You're kidding me." I was like, "No, I ain't kidding you, man. I've been double working myself for three. I swear I'm filling it back up." He said, "No, dude, I've been filling mine up." the same as you do, and I'm empty too. And so I said, man, that's crazy. You sure it ain't like just in your head? And he's like, no, it ain't in my head. I said, so that's happening to you and it's happening to me. And so about this time, one of our neighbors, Mr. Tory, Mr. Tory comes outside and we're like, Tory, you know, Mr. Tim says, Tory, come here. And so he comes and Mr. Tory's like, yeah, I'm about to start cutting my grass. And we're telling him, he's like, y'all crazy. So we, we go back to cutting, and he goes pull his lawnmower and stuff out, and next thing you know, he's flagging us down. <laughs> Same thing that's happening to him. So long story short here, this is when gas was like $4 a gallon. They had somebody on the regular, on the slick, coming in and siphoning out all our gas 
They were taking all our gas out of our gas cans, out of our gas tanks. And this whole time, I'm thinking I'm crazy. Like, it's only happening to me. And it's happening to everybody. And so come to find out, he was doing that in like four different neighborhoods. And <laughs> God was making a killing just bottling up all this gas. And so, um, you know, I couldn't help but but notice um, there's a parallel to this. And some of you might have picked up on this, but at the time, I, I didn't see it this way. But, you know, the thief had a game plan. And until people started talking to each other, he was deceiving everybody. And that's real. I mean, this was a real thief. He had a real game plan. He was good at what he did because, man, we all have different schedules. How would I know when this guy's coming steal gas? I mean, he must have came at like two o'clock in the morning or something. And he was deceiving the heck out of us individually. And we all got the epiphany at the same time. And apparently other neighborhoods too, you know. And so tonight's message is called Exposing Satan's Game Plan. And now before I go any further, I really believe this is a word from the Lord. Like, I really believe that every one of you guys are going to benefit from this message. I've been waiting to preach this for weeks now. Um, so exposing Satan's game plan. Game plan. Um, and so does that sound super spiritual, like exposing the enemy's game plan? No. Um, well, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. Um, it's, it is spiritual because the dynamic, the spiritual dynamic is, is very real. It's very real. Um, he does have a game plan. Um, but it's not like some profound game plan that you got to be like a rocket scientist or a pastor for 20 years to figure out. It's just, it's super basic, but it's one of them things like if you don't talk about it, you kind of forget about it. And so it's a real simple message. And so tonight I want to expose that. Um, but before I do, I want to do a little exercise and it's going to require some engagement. You ain't got to talk out loud or anything, but you got to think with me. All right. And so how many of you know, like, character and reputation is important? Your character and your reputation, that's important. That's how people think of you when you're not there. Like, what people think of when they say Blake or Cole or Bailey or Jeremy. Like, when that word came out of my mouth, people had a thought. That can be a scary thing to realize that, but it's true. A reputation and character is what precedes you, right? And so, for example, let's say I say Pastor Todd. Like for me, Pastor Todd's got a reputation and he's got a character. And because I know his reputation and character, I know what to expect. I trust him. I mean, I could I could tell Pastor Todd secrets I wouldn't tell anybody. I mean, I could be totally open and honest with him. Um, and and I wouldn't tell that to just anybody on the street, you know. Good, James. Um. Same with, okay, let's think of a police officer, for example. Like, if I'm speeding, I could expect a police officer to pull me over, right? Because that's, that's their reputation, right? If I'm running from a cop, he'll probably tackle me because that's their reputation. So I know that, so I don't do that, right? Y'all follow? So um, I'm going to say a couple, of, uh, a couple of words or phrases and... And as I'm saying that, there's going to be like some feelings and some thoughts. This is the participatory part. Um, when I say it, you're going to think something. You're going to think of maybe a person or an emotion or a feeling will hit your mind, something like that. Um, and so here we go. Deceitful. Discouraging. Confusing. 
depressing, lying, manipulative, shady, disruptive, problem starter, a troublemaker, a bully, a trickster. You ever heard that phrase, a snake in the grass? A snake in the grass. Just hearing that, I hate that person. Like I just, I hear that and I think, man, who is that dude? I wouldn't want to be around that guy. Like, get that dude away from me, man. And so I know you brought, you probably caught on, but that's Satan. That's his MO. That's who he is, man. He's all those things I just, I just described. And so just like when you hear Pastor Todd or a police officer, you instantly think of a reputation and character. The same goes for the, the word Satan or the enemy we hear in church or the thief. Um, it's important that you remember his character and that you remember his reputation. And so let's put up John 10, 10. We've hit that verse a lot in here, um, but I think it's extremely relevant and it covers a lot of bases. And so John 10, 10 says, the thief, that's Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus is saying this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So he's got one goal. Satan's got one goal, and that's to disrupt your life and, and God's plan for your life. He wants to disrupt the second part of that verse. And he does this by running his, his game on the DL, just like that thief did to me. And he doesn't want you talking about it, right? But the good deal is Jesus came in that second part to expose all that stuff, right? And so in Matthew 10, verse 26, we see this. It says, do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So God knows Satan's game plan, and Jesus came to expose that. Matthew 10 says, nothing concealed will stay that way. So nothing you do in secret, it's going to come out. Even in the real world, not even the spiritual, like nothing you do in secret is going to stay that way. Even when you think no one's going to find this out. Yes, they will. I would hear that all the time when I was growing up and I thought I was the exception. People find out. So that's true in the natural and it's true in the, in the spiritual. And so, you know, another part of that is he wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you bound and like isolated in your little area of sin. Like everybody's got their own sin. He just wants to keep you right there. And like the visual image that I got, and people don't realize this, like we hear this so frequently, like, oh yeah, Satan wants to keep us in bondage. And, you know, it, it, we can hear that and instantly check out, but yet we're still in bondage. Like we'll hear that and we instantly check out, but you're still living in a, a particular one sin you can't get away from. And so it's not just enough knowing about it. You got to do something with it, but you got to know exactly how he does it. I got this. I got this uh, mental image. Have you guys ever heard of how an elephant is trained to, to not go past where he's supposed to in a, in a zoo? And so for those of you who haven't, this is what they do. When the elephant's a little baby, they take a little bitty like quarter inch nylon rope and they tie it around his leg and they put a stake in the ground. And he obviously he can't walk further than the rope lets him walk. And so he just grows up with that tied to his leg. And so he thinks that's as far as he can go. That's as far as he can go. And as he gets bigger, they never increase the size of the rope. Pretty soon, this huge elephant is just staying put with this little bitty rope. And so he's, he, he, he could just walk around the whole zoo if he wanted to, but in his mind, he's bound up. In his mind, he's bound up. 
Same thing Satan does with us. It's four things he, he, he does. This is how he runs his game, four ways. Step one, he tempts you. Simple, he's, he tempts you. Step two, he belittles sin. He makes it like it's not really a big deal. Step three, as soon as you sin, he flips the script. As soon as you sin, as soon as you slip up, bang, he condemns you. And then the fourth step, he wants to isolate you from everybody else and make you feel like either one, no one else deals with that, or two, if they find out, they're going to think you're a horrible person and you're really weird. That's what he does. Every time, it, it, you could go through any time you've fallen into sin, it's the same thing every time. So let's go into step one in his game plan. He tempts you. Might sound like this. Just lie. You'll get what you want if you just lie. It doesn't get worse than that. It just stays at a lie. Or it's all right to gossip about this person or that person. After all, they ticked you off this week. Just tell, tell all their secrets, right? Or there's really nothing wrong with manipulating this person to get what I want. Or all of your problems will go away if you just go get drunk or smoke weed. All your problems will just disappear. A lot of my friends, they think that and they live like that. They have an issue in their life and they try to mask it by getting hammered and smoking weed all the time. And guess what? It doesn't fix the problem. When you get undrunk and unhigh, problem's still there. So that's not the fix. How about, man, just sleep with that person. It'll be all right. No big deal. It's just sleeping with them. It's not a big deal. That's temptation. And that's what it sounds like in your age group. So he tempts you. James 1, 14 through 16 says this, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire, that's dwelling on the sinful thought too long, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. So right here we see this verse is telling you, hey, heads up, it's coming. This is how it comes. Don't let it happen. But the enemy's there. He's still tempting. He's still tempting. So like we see, temptation can drag us away from being pure in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions if we let it. So Satan will put an ungodly thought or a sinful thought in your mind, and you'll dwell on it, and then it can become sin. You know, temptation, again, temptation's not the sin. Falling into it's the sin. So we're all tempted, right? Second part, he belittles sin. Satan belittles sin. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and this is nothing new. This is nothing new at all. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. Since day one, in Genesis chapter two, let's look at the 16th verse. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty. Remember all those words we described them? More crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Remember, all those things, let those things run through your mind when I read this. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? God had just told Eve, he had just told Eve, do not eat from this particular tree. Just like we saw in this verse. How, how do we fall away? When we're enticed by our desires. We get the heads up and then we get the don't do this 
or this will happen. So check it out. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, uh, God knows that when you eat, you will be like him, uh, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desiring for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Belittle sin. God just said, don't do this. And he just, that whole mentality, it's not that big of a deal. And he says, has God said? Yeah, but like, has God said? It's not, it's just, it's just lust. It's just a lie. It's just a little fun gossip. It's just a little weed. It's just, just a little party that you just, just get hammered. Like it's not a big deal. It's not going to be a habit. You're not going to get stuck on doing this, you know, and that's his thing. So step one, he tempts you. Step two, he belittles sin. Watch step three. He condemns you and shames you. I can't believe you just did that. How many times? I know no one's a sinner in here, but like how many times did somebody slip up and fall into something they knew was sinful? They knew they weren't supposed to do. And as soon as you fall into it, Got like four hands up there. As soon as you fall into it, Jonathan's like, I'm a pro. <laughs> as, as soon as you fall into it, man, there's the devil. You must be a horrible person. I mean, you're probably the only person who deals with that. You're the only one on earth who deals with that sin. Don't tell anybody because if you tell anybody, people are going to think you're really weird and that you're a horrible person. I mean, that's the stuff, the same voice, guys, that tempts you, the same voice that belittles the sin is the same voice who condemns you. Same voice that who condemns you. You know, God's tired of dealing with you. People hear that all the time. You should quit this whole Christian thing. It's too much. Like, that's the same voice. Check this out. Revelations 12, starting in verse 9, says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down. So he'll tempt you, he'll belittle sin, then he'll turn around and condemn you. And the last step, step four, he'll isolate you. He'll isolate you. Um, notice in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal uh, the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Notice when he had this conversation, she was alone. Like he, he tempted her. When, when he ha she had no other voice of reason that was around her. Nobody else was there. Then later in verse 8, when they were together, her and her husband, after they both ate from that apple, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called and said, Where are you? They hid, and they isolated themselves from God. We do both of those things today. 
we isolate ourselves, when we fall into some, some sinful situation, we start to receive the shame that the devil tells us. Like, man, you're the only person who deals with this. Or, man, you better not let anyone know you're struggling with that. They're going to think you're really bad. Are you really an evil person, you filthy sinner? Like, that's the, that's the game the devil plays, right? And so if Satan can keep you isolated, he can keep you from being rescued with the truth. Because those are all lies, but there's some truth to that. So if he's going he's gonna to feed you these lies, you got to have somebody feeding you the truth. And usually when you're shamed, you're not going to the word of God. You're not going to the Lord in prayer. You, you kind of just, you're getting in church and you're getting out. You ain't trying to be involved. You, you kind of on the back, you know, no offense to you guys on the back row. It's no big deal. But you kind of on the back row metaphorically, <laughs> you know, see, you should sit in the front, guys. Um, you're on the back row metaphorically speaking. Jonathan, way back there. Um, <laughs> and so you'll keep believing these lies. Y'all picking up on this, guys? You'll keep believing these lies. And if you hear these lies too long, not only will you start believing it, you'll start to become what they say. You'll start to become all of those things, right? Um, if you believe it and you aren't surrounded with people who know the truth, you'll stay deceived. The result of Satan's game plan is the first part of John 10.10. 10. Let's look at that again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I would say the four things we just talked about says how he successfully does that. And so if we know how he successfully does that, Let's think of how we can combat that. Let's look at the second part of that verse. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the first thing we need to remember is this. Step one, Jesus died to set us free from the bondage of sin. So what that means is when sin does come your way, and if you do fall into it, Jesus died so that you could be forgiven from that. Let's look at Galatians verse five. Stand fast, therefore, and the liberty, the freedom, by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of slavery. Satan says stuff like, you're the only one to deal with this or, or that, or don't tell anyone that stuff. They'll think you're weird or crazy. But that leads us to the second point. In Romans 3, uh, verse 23, we see, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that nobody in here is perfect. Like there's not a person sitting in here or standing in here who's perfect and who doesn't need Jesus. We all need that. We all need that. And I'm going somewhere with the end of this message. Um, just knowing that, you know, should be humble. Just knowing that should be humbling and freeing, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't bind you up. Check this part out in verse um, 10, 13, of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. I'm going to read that one more time. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So we all struggle with sin. Nobody's perfect. God says here, we all deal with the same things. We all deal with the same things. It's only by God's grace we stay free from sin, and it's only by God's grace that we get saved from sin. And 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 
when I read that in the context of what we're talking about, I think about people who maybe they don't battle with a particular sin that you battle with. And you might feel, man, like you might feel like you're judged or condemned. Everybody has a side of the fence there. The person who's dealing with a sin may not be dealing with the same one you are. But man, don't, don't, don't think you're too good to fall into that same sin. There's nobody above a certain sin, right? Pastor Todd said this on the heels of that statement. He said uh, one time he was addressing an issue in the church. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but something had happened um, where somebody had just fell morally in front of a bunch of people. And Pastor Todd said this, and it humbles me when he said this. He said, I'm capable of that and worse if sin goes unchecked in my life. And that's true for everybody. If sin goes unchecked in your life, we're capable of anything. That's true for us all. The third thing we need to know is we're not in this alone. We all fall short. We're all tempted by the same things. All of these things we deal with are common. Um, And because of all that, we can't walk a Christian walk separate. We can't walk a Christian walk separate. It's not a a solo sport or a spectator sport or or just a, a thing you can do alone. We're supposed to be a body of believers, a body of Christ. That's why it's important to have people that you trust speak into your life. That's why whenever you're struggling spiritually, you need to have somebody that you trust. You need to have somebody that knows you got you got their best interest in mind and they've got your best interest in mind. That way they can speak into your life and you can speak into theirs when they need it from you. Community is important. That's why we have life groups. That's where I'm going with this. Whenever we have our life groups, man, those are our areas. Those are groups that should be safe for you to have discussion. Because the reality, guys, Christianity is not an easy lifestyle. It's not. The world's not, you guys know that, the world's not just, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's not as easy to live and and be a Christian um, as it is to live and be a Christian in church. You know, those of you guys in high school, you're around influences all the time. And people are going to be influenced. Either you're going to be influenced or they're going to be influenced by you. And there are going to be times you slip up. But like, you're leaders, guys. If you follow people now, you'll always be a follower. If you lead people now, you'll always be a leader. As Christians, we're called to be leaders. We're called to be leaders morally, not to be perfect, but to admit when we have struggles, admit when we have problems, and see to fixing those struggles and see to fixing those problems. Anybody can just be a person walking around on the earth. It takes, it takes the power and the grace of God to be a Christian, and it takes community to live this thing out. Y'all receiving that? Good deal. Let's stand, guys. Let's stand. We're going to close. I have a few other things to say while we stand. Um, the last thing we need to know is this. Lastly, God is faithful. He's faithful to forgive us. Like we said, nobody's perfect and we're all going to deal with sin. But just because that's the case, we shouldn't give up on our walk. And we shouldn't be discouraged from going to the Lord with a sin. So in 1 John chapter 1 through 9, we see, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So the Bible says that, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. You know, if you're trying to eat healthy, if you're trying to eat clean, and let's use me for an example, I'm a sucker for junk food. And I can try to eat clean all day, but if I have to look at a cookie or chocolate cake for more than five minutes, it's gone. It's gone. Two minutes is a good day for me. But if I sit there and I stare at this chocolate cake for 15 minutes, that's like a record. I don't think I've ever done that. That's temptation. Could you imagine two hours? All right. So it says here, Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but without sin. The longer you resist temptation sometimes, the harder it is. Could you imagine living 33 years and you never sin not one time? So when we think we're being tempted, man, Jesus totally understands what temptation's all about. So then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Maybe you're in here and you've got sin in your life and you're keeping it hidden. Let me tell you, sin is not cool. People think that's cool these like I say I was going to say these days, honestly, it's always come off as cool. But I heard something one time. You tend to stay in sin a whole lot longer than you planned on staying there. And that's true. You tend to stay in sin a whole lot longer than you planned on staying there. Another part of that, sin never feels as good as you thought it would. And it's a fleeting pleasure. The Bible calls it fleeting pleasures. That means that right now it might be fun. But it's going to get to a point to where whatever you're doing now, you're going to have to increase the level of what you're doing it because it's not going to pay off. I'll use myself for an example. I started off just just getting drunk and that wasn't enough for me because honestly, two years of partying, there's different ways to drink alcohol and I'd get creative and I'd try a bunch of different things. It got to a place to where it wasn't fulfilling anymore. And so what's the next step? I'll start smoking dope start smoking weed. And that was fun for a while, but eventually my problems didn't go away. They only got bigger because I wasn't dealing with them. And man, that quit being as fun as well. So then I just started upping the different drugs I would do until eventually I had enough sense to realize, by the grace of God, I had enough sense to realize, wait a minute, I'm noticing the, the theme here. I'm noticing the cycle here. This is a continual thing. And I'm using that as an example. The same goes for lust. The same goes for gossip. The same goes for lying. That's any sin. There's always different levels you can take it. Check it right now. Don't walk out of here tonight and let sin go unchecked in your life. Christianity is all about being humble. You have to continue to live in a place of humility and be, be able to be able and willing to admit the sin that you have in your life. Pray and ask the Lord to cleanse that from you. Don't Don't be somebody that just goes through the motions, guys. You stay in that position for way longer than you planned. So let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes right where you are. I just want you to, I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes because I want you to face the thoughts that are going through your mind right now. And that might be thoughts of sins in your life. That might be areas that you're compromising in. Maybe you think you're too cool for all this stuff. Or maybe you think that if you came forward and said that you're struggling with something in particular, you'd be too ashamed. Maybe you say, man, I've actually been very repentant lately. Well, let me encourage you. Stay in that place of grace. Stay in that place of, of, of humility. 
because you can go through cycles there. Maybe you feel like Satan's been running that game plan in your life. Maybe as I was preaching tonight, you would think, yeah, I, I can identify with just about all of that. Um, if I could have some altar workers come up. If while I was talking, any of that stuff came to your mind. Look, you know, Jesus said, if you deny me in front of people on earth, I'll deny you in front of my Father at the gates of heaven. You know, a form of denying is when you know the Holy Spirit is convicting you on something and you're not responding to it. I'm telling you, on the other side of that response is, is freedom, guys. On the other side of that response is, man, you don't have to live with the weight of that guilt. You don't have to live with that shame and that sin. It's freedom. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to pray. And when I say amen, if, if you'd like to stand with somebody, we're a body of Christ. We all going through the same stuff. There's, there's no shame in that. If you'd like to stand with somebody, as soon as I say amen, I want you to come forward. Um, after that, guys, for those of you who don't want to come forward, you're welcome to leave. You're welcome to hang around and worship. It's up to you. So I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, God, I just, I thank you that you're a God that even whenever we're struggling with something, you never write us off. There's never something that we, we can never do something that pushes us too far away. God, I know that when, when we're in the midst of sin, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, you come looking for us and you always pursue us, Lord. God, I pray that you protect everybody in here from feeling condemned. I don't want anybody to feel condemned, Jesus. But Holy Spirit, I pray you convict the hearts of anybody. They need to be convicted. I need to be convicted. Convict my heart. Convict everybody in here of where we need to repent from, God. And where we need to come clean with, God. What, what we need to come clean with, Lord. What we need to submit and surrender to you. And Lord, I pray that as you move on hearts and as you move on minds of people in here, Lord, that they would feel a peace about responding. That they would feel a peace and, a, and, and just like a, a look, looking forward to type feel, like an expectancy to have that weight removed. Lord, I pray for more transparency in our small groups. God, I pray that people look at this like a team effort, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Oh, time out. One more prayer. Um, for those of, those of these guys who are leaving, God, I pray you protect them. Lord, I pray over, over all the students that as they leave tonight, you put your hand of protection over them. God, protect them on the road, protect them at school, protect them at home, Lord. I pray for, for the school year, Lord, as, as that wraps to a close, comes to a close, for finals, for tests, all that stuff. Lord, give them wisdom that, that, that's supernatural. Lord, help them to retain what they study. Help them to remember what they study. God, I pray that when they take tests, you give them a, a clear mind, a sound mind. Let them remember, God. Let them focus, God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.